Dance is a good move. Why don't you dance him? Dancing is forbidden. Running crew, welcome to Dancing is Forbidden and Aqua Teen Hunger Force Exploration. I am Ronnie, and on this podcast, I am watching through and talking about every Aqua Teen episode, one episode at a time. And the episode we are watching through and talking about this week is Season 2, Episode 15, The Shaving. The Shaving. I'm calling the cops. The Shaving premiering October 26th, 2003, and this being our first official Halloween Aqua Teen episode. Back in season one, no episodes really aired around Halloween. I guess Dumber Dolls came out November 3rd of 2002, but obviously there's no real Halloween component to that one, so it doesn't really count. So we have the shaving here, and then next week on the podcast and uh, when these episodes aired, The Brood Witch came out on November 2nd, which I would argue is also kind of a Halloween episode as well. Anyways, back to The Shaving. I hate to sound like a broken record these past few episodes, but The Shaving is just a great episode of Aqua Teen. Honestly, I'd say if you're going to show someone Aqua Teen for the first time, The Shaving is a very strong contender for that. You get glimpses of all the characters, kind of who they are, what they represent, and just a great guest. We have Tom Sharpling here, and we will get more into who he is once we get to him in the episode. So before we get to that, we got some Aqua Teen news to discuss. First up, about a week ago, Carrie Means uploaded some pictures to his Instagram feed. One is of a yellow sports car. I can't quite identify it. I'm not a cars guy, as I've discussed on the show, but it's a real slick looking yellow sports car. But that's not it. We also see Dana Snyder dressed up. We see Carrie Means himself, obviously, Nick Gibbons, Dave Willis, Matt Malero, and then someone else who works on the show who I'm not quite sure who it is. We see a bunch of these guys all together, pictured together, dressed up. And this is for the film. Obviously, there's going to be some sort of live action component, I take it. No idea what that's about, but it's kind of a big bit of information here that we will see these guys on screen. And I suspect maybe they'll be in that car, that yellow hot rod. I don't know, but uh, we'll have to keep an eye out for it when the film comes out sometime later this year. And back to the guy in the picture I didn't know, I actually asked about it and Carrie Means responded and he's like, oh, he's somebody who works on the show, but I forgot his name. So if Carrie doesn't know who it is, then I guess it's okay that I don't either. Something else I noticed is that MC Chris posted a resume of his that he was working on and Aqua Teen Hunger Force was listed as 2002 to 2022. Now, my assumption was, oh, that's for Aquadonk, but he listed Aquadonk separately, so I was wondering, maybe is he in the new film? So I reached out to Chris, and he actually said that no, he is not in the upcoming film, so not really sure why he put 2022 there, maybe just including Aquadonk, but also listed Aquadonk separately. But just want to mention that, that, you know, as of uh, this email I got from MC Chris, he is saying he is not in the upcoming film. Moving on here to some podcast news, I kind of last minute streamed the Aqua Teen Hunger Force fan game that just came out. The official name on it is Aqua Teen Hunger Force, the very unofficial game, and you need a PlayStation 4 or 5 to play it, and you need a a program on it, a game called Dreams, and the Aqua Teen game was made in this Dreams 
program. And thanks to all of you who showed up. It was a lot of fun, and the game just really blew me away. It's almost like you're playing in an episode of the show. The, the writing on it was great. It was way more than I expected. I didn't know what to expect. I, I thought maybe it was going to be some Aqua Teen-themed minigames or something taking place in, in the Aqua Teen world, but no, it's like a full-fledged story and everything, really well thought out, and lots of little Easter eggs for fans of the show. If you have a PlayStation 4 or 5, honestly... Wait till Dreams goes on sale or something if you don't already have it. It's worth it to buy Dreams just to play this this Aqua Teen fan game. I really enjoyed it. And if you couldn't catch the stream, it is up on my Twitch channel. Link to that in the show notes to the specific video. I am going to edit it down a little bit, put it on YouTube. And I also plan to stream it again at some point, maybe with more advertising ahead of time. Because to me, it's just so tragic that most people... Aqua Teen fans won't even know about this game, let alone play it, when just so much thought was put into it, and I think it was a real success, and it, again, it's just it's just sad that not everyone will be able to play this, because it's more than just some little thing that's like, oh, that's kind of cool. I mean, if you're a fan of Aqua Teen, then I think that you'll like this game. Again, that is Aqua Teen Hunger Force, the very unofficial game. Check it out, really. If you have a PlayStation, look into this game. It's a lot of fun. All right, so that's it for podcast news this week. A few weeks ago, listener of this show, Phil, reached out to me and gave me some additional information on the Revenge of the Trees episode that I did not know. So I asked Megan, the the lawyer that I spoke with on the companion episode to Revenge of the Trees, what she thought that Frylock could be referencing in terms of, of Shake did it, but he's sorry. And Megan assumed it was some sort of plea. And Phil came in with a more specific plea called the Alford Plea, so I'll read what Phil said. Phil said, In the episode when Frylock is representing Carl in Shake, and he says he did it but he's sorry, I always thought it was a reference to an Alford Plea. When you say that you know the evidence is overwhelming and enough to convince a jury, but you aren't admitting guilt. I think I saw an Alford Plea in a TV show or movie, and always thought that's what Frylock was talking about. But I'm not a lawyer, lol. So thank you to Phil for reaching out with that information. Of course, like I said, I had never heard of that before, and I spent a lot of time reading about the Alford plea and kind of how it got started, I guess, as like a legal precedent or, or, or whatever it is. And I'm not going to bore you with all that, but I really appreciate it. So thanks, Phil, for reaching out with that. I think it all checks out. Next up, Oglethorpe seems to have sent us a message. Let's give it a listen. Hey, what's up, bro? This is Oglethorpe here. Coming to you from your anus. <laughs> Anyways, I heard you all talking about the shaving, which is not based on that movie or the Simpsons parody based on the movie, but instead stars Vinny Nelson. Not the Vinny Nelson, but his name is in fact Vinny Nelson. I'm Nelson Vance. In 2013, I saw him buy the man in a Starbucks upstairs while me and Emery were looking at stuff at a Barnes and Noble. However, <laughs> Emery decided to be a scary cat that day and attempted to drag me out the door. Eventually, I saw a familiar face of a young chicken nugget that Emery and I babysat 17 years ago, and that vermin was Christy Nugget. <laughs> I didn't want to run up to her, so I sided with Emery's decision. Unfortunately, I did ask him if we can visit her house a few hours later. We later found out that Billy Nelson was actually Christy's boyfriend? <laughs> hey man, are, are you done? It's time to go. Oh yeah, I have to cut this short. 
me and Emily are making some modifications to the Fargate for our next movie coming in November. See you later, fat man. You can suck a dry any day of the beat. Oglethorpe, thank you for your message. Uh, there's a lot going on there, and I feel like it ended with Oglethorpe calling me fat man, but uh, unfortunately for Oglethorpe, I I'm, I'm a skinny little guy, so... Hey, that's all right. Lots of uh, the shaving information here that I had not heard before. We'll have to watch the episode now and, and see what we can piece together from this newfound information. Jillian, thank you for your voice message. If you would like to send in your own voice message, head on over to speakpipe.com slash dancingisforbidden or just check the show notes. It's there for you. Don't work too hard. Let's see what the heck, what in the world was going on this week, the week that the shaving premiered. Spoofing and goofing its way all the way to the top of the box office this week, we have Scary Movie 3 bringing in $48 million, breaking Red Dragon's record of $36.5 million for the highest weekend debut in October, as well as for any fall release, and broke Laura Croft Tomb Raider's record of $47.7 million for highest weekend debut for a film featuring a female protagonist. So Scary Movie 3, a movie I loved at this time. This was one of my favorite movies as a kid. I haven't seen it in quite a while. I don't know how it holds up. I did watch 4 recently, which I liked that one a lot too. I didn't think it was that great on rewatch. I remember loving it as a kid, but watching back to 4, didn't think it was that funny. Then I saw 5 for the first time, and that one just wasn't that interesting at all. It really wasn't that good. But yeah, 3 coming out this week. And just doing phenomenally, just just blowing everything else out of the water, really. And for good reason. I mean, I watched the trailer to it. I don't know how funny I would find this now as an adult since my, my tastes have changed a little bit, but just a real soft spot in my heart for Scary Movie 3. I did see 1 and 2 as well growing up, but I can't really remember those. Kind of interesting, because I think the first two had the Wayans Brothers in it, and then... The third one didn't, I don't think, as, as well as the fourth and the fifth. But yeah, at the time, early 2000s specifically, these scary movie movies uh, were very popular. If you don't know what they are, I should have probably front-loaded this. They are spoofs of whatever the, the famous scary movie was at the time, or, or a, a culmination of, of several scary movies that were big at the time, done in a comedic way. It's a comedy movie. They'd also have some other films. For example, Scary Movie 3, they also spoof... 8 Mile, which we've talked a lot about in this podcast, and they tackle that one too in that film. So just a real relic of the times. I would suggest going back and watching it if you want a good peek at the uh, kind of mainstream humor at this time. Ratings on this one, IMDb gives it a 5.5 out of 10, and Rotten Tomatoes gives it a 35%. That seems about right to me for a movie of this genre, I suppose. You know, it's so subjective. Either you get it or you don't. And there are no shared cast or crew between Aqua Teen Hunger Force or Scary Movie 3. And before we leave Scary Movie 3, since it meant so much to me, I hope that you don't mind if I play a commercial for it that aired on Adult Swim in October of 2003. Enjoy. Only one movie is so outrageous. So I see. So exciting. So hilarious. Audiences are screaming for more. Scary Movie 3, rated PG-13, now playing. That's right, Scary Movie 3, now playing. Let's play some music. Let's see what was dominating the charts this week in 2003. Our top album this week is 
wait a second, that's that's not how this works. I'm supposed to tease you and play it. Let's give it a listen, then I'll tell you what it is. Just like that. Just like that. Just like that. This week, dominating the Billboard Top 200 album chart, we have Ludacris with Chicken and Beer selling over 429,000 copies this week, an absolute behemoth of an album. Ludacris, really aggressive there. Almost took me by surprise on listening. He's just like, how you ain't gonna fuck? Like, damn, Ludacris. Take it, take it back a little bit. But I guess, you know, who am I to say I'm not the one selling over 400,000 copies of an album in one week? Maybe he's on to something here with this whole aggressive sexual proposition. Looking at this album and his discography on RateYourMusic.com, Chicken and Beer has a 3 out of 5, which isn't bad at all. Although his previous album, Word of Mouth, had a 3.29, so... This one, not as high as his first two albums, this being his third, but not bad at all. And I mean, honestly, with sales like he got this week alone, who gives a fuck what people are saying about it 20 years later? I'm sure made him a lot of money. Moving on to our singles this week, our top single again, Baby Boy by Beyonce featuring Sean Paul. And then our alternative single is still So Far Away by Stained. Something I want to mention here, an album that came out this week is Frank by Amy Winehouse which was her debut studio album, Amy Winehouse, an artist that means a lot to a lot of people, so just thought I would mention her there. Moving on to our video games this week, on the 21st, we have Castlevania Lament of Innocence coming to the PlayStation 2. Never played it, but uh, those games look pretty cool. And then on the 22nd, we have SeaWorld Adventure Parks Tycoon coming to PC. This game basically being a clone of Roller Coaster Tycoon, but you're building SeaWorld. It's very cool. And back in the day, these tycoon games were very popular. I remember Skate Park Tycoon, Big Biz Tycoon, I think was one. Lots of tycoon games coming out around this time because Roller Coaster Tycoon was so goddamn popular. And some of them were good, some of them were not. This game seemed to be received all right. I never played it, but seeing the graphics on YouTube makes me nostalgic as hell. And uh, some little information, some trivia here for you. In the United States, SeaWorld Adventure Parks Tycoon was the U.S.'s 69th best-selling computer game between January 2000 and August 2006. Nice. So, all right, it's the spooky season. Halloween is coming up. You're ready to be scared as all hell. You saw Scary Movie 3 in theaters. Wasn't scary, but it was goddamn funny. You really liked it. Over on the radio, Ludacris is scaring the hell out of you with his aggressive sexual advances. And you're getting scared playing some Castlevania. Well, you're too scared now. Oh my god, it's so frightening. You need to chill out. You have to watch some Adult Swim and remember that there are some joys in life. Not everything is so scary. But guess what? Adult Swim is no safe space for you because it is the programming block's Halloween week. We got some scary stuff going on. We open up with Dad from the Brack Show, played by George Lowe, the voice of Space Ghost, who appears in Aqua Teen all the time. He's coming at us with some scariness. Let's give it a listen. Hello, children. My name is Dad. Tonight, we will kill you! <laughs> My colleagues at Adult Swim have prepared a horrifying omelet of two new episodes guaranteed to frightenate you! Also, several previously viewed items sure to drill holes of fear into the mind of your brain. Brain! 
<laughs> so run and hide, children. Or better yet, watch. So the subtitle to this night seems to be We Will Kill You, because that's the first thing you see on the screen as Adult Swim starts. I want to shout out Vic's Archives Palace 2004 on YouTube. Link to that in the show notes for this archive video, because, yeah, that's the first thing that we see. The, the text is, is orange, though, instead of white. It says, We Will Kill You. And then we open in on Dad from Bragg Show. He is in a scary castle area. There are skulls and stuff. Also, the part when he says into the mind of your brain, his head opens up and his brain comes out. You see his brain. And there are all different bumps like this throughout the night. I'm not going to play all of them because, you know, this isn't a Brack Show podcast. But yeah, really cool to see the exact stuff that they had just for this night. But it being Halloween actually isn't what makes this night on Adult Swim interesting. So let's get to our lineup. And it's the same as we've been getting. We start with the big O. The episode was supposed to be The Show Must Go On, but they accidentally played a rerun called Stripes. And the reason this is important is because The Show Must Go On is the last episode of all of Big O. So it was the premiere in the United States of the last episode of this series, and they fucked up and played a rerun on accident making tons of Big O fans just irate. They, they took to the Adult Swim forum and just went crazy. And we'll get to more of that in a little bit, but just a huge mistake. And what made this an even bigger mistake is this was supposed to be the last time Big O was in this lineup with Family Guy taking its place the next week. And they were going to be playing an episode of Family Guy that at this point was unaired. Fox never aired this episode and they were hyping up this episode that Adult Swim, of course, Family Guy had been on Adult Swim at this point, but Adult Swim was going to play an exclusive episode that had never been seen, and they're saying, okay, that's coming the 2nd of November. Well, they fucked up here, played the wrong Big O, so they had to push that Family Guy back a week because the next week they will finally play the final Big O episode. But a huge mistake, and I'm sure the last thing they wanted to happen because they had so much writing on the new Family Guy episode that would be taking over Big O's slot and kicking off the Adult Swim lineup. Let me play you the advertisement played on this night for Family Guy that was supposed to premiere next week. Hi there, I'm Peter Griffin. You might know me from a little show called Family Guy, or you might know me as Jack from Will and Grace, but I wear a lot of makeup for that, and I really ham it up with the gay routine. Anyway, on Sunday, November 2nd, Adult Swim is airing an episode of Family Guy that Fox refused to show, but my good pals at Cartoon Network are showing it, although I think they're making a couple of changes because I'm so controversial. <laughs> See the Family Guy episode you've never seen, Sunday, November 2nd at 11 p.m. on Adult Swim. Remember, at this time, Family Guy was canceled off of Fox, so this was a huge deal, and it totally got messed up. The Family Guy episode, by the way, is When You Wish Upon a Weinstein. So yeah, that's supposed to air next week in our lineup here, but because they played the wrong Big O episode, that'll be pushed back a little bit further. That episode, When You Wish Upon a Weinstein, a very religious-heavy episode... According to Wikipedia, Peter prays for a Jew to help him with his financial woes. After befriending Jewish accountant Max Weinstein and discovering the wonders of their religion, Peter gets the idea of converting Chris to Judaism so that he will be successful in life. Lois attempts to stop him, believing that success is not based on religion. So Fox didn't want to air that one, I suppose, because, you know, of all the religious undertones and everything. But Adult Swim is like, fuck it, give it to us. We'll air it because at this point, Family Guy was on Adult Swim, just not our Sunday nights yet, but it will be soon. 
to wrap up this historic story, I just want to mention that I think throughout the week on Adult Swim, they were playing a lot of the backlash that they got on their forums in the bumps and then kind of uh, giving snarky responses. For example, one guy was like, Dear Adult Swim, you guys got me so mad Sunday night I had to trim my bonsai tree. Now I need to buy a new tree. I hope you are happy. And then to end that bump, Adult Swim, uh, just re really quickly, really tiny, with, in the brackets, it says Tree Killer Swim. So just that kind of stuff, just people poking fun at them, how mad they were. So if you were a big O fan this night, it was truly a horrifying night that your, your favorite show, the ending to it, <laughs> didn't get played. Again, this was the series finale that, that everyone had been waiting for, and they messed up. Anyways, moving on with our lineup, at 11.30 p.m. we get the Brack Show with Splat, which doesn't seem to be like an upfront Halloween scary episode, but in it, Brack's parents run over Zorak on accident in their car and kill him, and then the dad has to dress up like Zorak to trick people into thinking he's still alive. Very, very crazy episode. After that, at 11.45 p.m. we get Aqua Teen Hunger Force with The Shaving, our new episode, of course, you know that. From there, it's not new episodes. We have at midnight, C-Lab 2021 with Bizarro, 12.15, Space Ghost Coast to Coast with Curses, 12.30, Home Movies with Coffins and Cradles, 1 a.m., Trigun with Peacemaker, and 1.30 a.m., Cowboy Bebop with Toys in the Attic. So that's our spooky lineup this night with an even spookier programming error to all Big O fans countrywide. And I'm sure all of the Adult Swim executives were very, very horrified as well. So that's our lineup. Let's jump in. The reason we're all here. Let's talk about the shaving. Check it out. Check it out, y'all. Check it, check oh, it out. Check it out. When asked where I buy all of my Richard Nixon masks, I give one simple answer. Halloweencostumes.com. At HalloweenCostumes.com, they have adult costumes, kids' costumes, exclusive costumes, costume ideas, couples' costumes, group costumes. The sky is the limit at HalloweenCostumes.com. At checkout, use promo code DANCINGISFORBIDDEN to receive a beautiful error message on your checkout. Creating and inspiring unforgettable Halloween memories year after year, HalloweenCostumes.com. This episode of Dancing is Forbidden is also, as always, brought to you by the wonderful patrons over at patreon.com slash dancing is forbidden. Opting for the cheaper Master Roshi Dragon Ball Z costume over the more expensive one so they have extra money to support this show. Downgrading his costume choice and upgrading his pledge to the podcast this month, we have Shinzo the Great, longtime supporter of the show. Bumping up from the birthday dollar tier up to the duffel bag of cash $5 tier. Thank you, Shinzo. Hope you are enjoying all of the stuff over on the Patreon feed. All sorts of podcasts over there. And if you're thinking, I want to support this show, but God damn it, I will not cut back on my Halloween costume budget. No worries. Just tell people about the show. Get more people listening. If you're on Reddit, post about the show there. Comment on somebody's thing. If they're asking about something, say, hey, Check out this podcast. If you're on Twitter, do a tweet about the show. If you're on Tinder, put my logo on your picture, especially if you're a girl. If you're going on a road trip with people, say, hey, pass me the aux cord. I promise I've got all today's biggest hits. I've got Billie Eilish and everything else that you want to hear. But you're fucking lying to them. Take the aux cord, plug it in your phone, play my podcast. Make them listen to all of it, even if they don't know what Aqua Teen is. That would be really funny. Do you have a creepy creature living in your attic? No worries. 
play my podcast really loud from your bedroom. Maybe the creature will hear it and tune in too. Dad here again, still in costume from the top-notch episode of the Brack Show you just witnessed. And by the way, don't be alarmed by the giant ant standing next to me. We have a gentleman's agreement. He promised not to harm me. I don't speak ant, it's his stupid language, but I'm sure he's saying stay tuned for a new episode of Aquatine Hunger for- ah! You son of a bitch. The Shaving, of course, premiering October 26th, 2003. Again, this is our first Halloween episode, and I assume The Brood Witch was kind of written in that vein as well, our next episode. And this one continuing our trend of having a guest voice actor, somebody besides the main cast. Of course, it's Tom Sharpling, who we will get into in a little bit here once his character shows up on screen. Tom, of course, playing Willie Nelson, the, uh, quote, villain of this episode. Although I guess maybe he actually is a villain. We'll get into it. There actually is a commentary track for this one on the DVD, and, and the cast on it is stacked. We have Bob Pettit, Dana Snyder, Ned Hastings, Craig Harton, Vishal Roney, Carrie Means, and Scott Fry. However, upon listening to the whole thing, I feel like there were probably too many people there to really get any sort of cohesive commentary going because they don't really say a whole lot about the episode specifically. It's a little bit more just kind of small talk, but I will interject, of course, with any important bits that I picked up from the commentary track. And I forgot to mention the rating on this one. It premiered and it still airs, to my knowledge, with a TV 14 LV for language and violence. And I think that's fair, especially, you know, the whole episode itself isn't too bad, but the very end is definitely the goriest scene that we have seen in Aqua Teen yet. And I assume one of the goriest scenes in all of Aqua Teen. I can't really imagine how they would top this outside of specific instances of violence, but it's just really horrible how this episode ends. But all right, first and foremost, of course we open with our Dr. Weird skit. And this one slightly related to the episode, I don't think intentionally, but we'll get into it in a second here. Basically, we have Steve writhing in pain on the ground. He is screaming, and his eyeballs kind of pop out of his head, and they, they have legs. They're like little spiders. In the commentary, they call it eiders. They pop out, and yeah, Steve is just in so much pain, and Dr. Weird's like, oh, like he, he loves the little critters. So let's take a listen. Boogie boogie. Oh, oh, oh my god. Oh, who's a good little fella? <laughs> Where's your brother? Oh, here he comes! Shut the f up, Steve! We're staring him! Totally just insane Dr. Weird clip. I feel like probably one of my favorites. It's just so crazy. There's there's so much yelling and, and so much chaos in it. And yeah, we see there's one eyeball on Dr. Weird's finger. And yeah, he's just kind of coddling it and stuff. And the spider eyeball things have six legs. Willie Nelson this episode only has four. Willie Nelson himself, an onion creature, but also with four legs, and he moves kind of like a spider. So a slight resemblance here between the Dr. Weird opening and the proper episode, but uh, I assume not intentional and just a really loose one because we both have something of spiders in each, but that's it. All right, moving into our episode proper, we open in, we hear a wolf howling, there are bats flying around, it is nighttime, we see there is a giant full moon above the Aqua Teen's house, and then we see the outside of their house, and there is a jack-o'-lantern Halloween bucket, this being the same bucket from the MCP Pants episode when Meatwad is trying to trick-or-treat, even though it is not anywhere near Halloween when he's trying to do it. So this is that same bucket outside their house. And then we zoom into the house where we see Meatwad 
and he is purple, and he is wearing what looks like a Hulk mask, although the mask itself is purple instead of green. So, obviously, some sort of copyright issues here. In the commentary, I can't tell if they were serious or not. It seems like they were serious, but I I'm not completely sure that originally he was green. He was supposed to be the Hulk. But because of copyright issues, they couldn't do that, so they had to go back and make him purple in the episode instead of green. And again, according to the commentary, this took weeks to change his color. I don't really see how that could be the case, which makes me think maybe they were joking. I don't know. That's what they were saying. Originally, he was supposed to be green, but they had to make him purple for this. And I do want to point out that at this time, the Hulk, the reboot of it was huge. So very timely costume from Meatwad if he indeed was trying to be the Hulk. Anyways, though, back to our scene. Meatwad is hanging out with Shake. Shake is holding, you know, speaking of a prop from the first season, Shake is holding a prop from the episode after MCP Pants from Dumber Dolls, the, the intricate serpent sword that he is holding at the end of that episode. He has it here now. It is a It has a golden handle on it, a golden hilt as well. Looks very nice, a very fancy sword. And he's going to cut Meatwad in half, but they, they try and make a joke there. They decide it's too inside, so Shake goes and gets the blender so that Meatwad could get in the blender so that, you know, Shake can blend Meatwad. So regardless of what's going on here, Shake's intention is just to give some sort of mutilation, some sort of harm to Meatwad. And this actually kind of ties into the episode because getting ahead of ourselves here, Shake is very fixed on scaring Carl and killing Carl in the episode with Willie Nelson. And that kind of makes sense because he wanted to do it to Meatwad, but then he's not allowed to and then he tries to do it to Carl. So that's all starting here. Let's jump in and listen to this scene play out. Uh -uh. I done told you now. This Halloween, you won't like me when I'm angry. I don't like you ever. <laughs> not this whole cell. You're about to be both Hall and Oats. People ain't gonna get that. Yeah, you're right. Two inside. And we go get the blender. You can go as the Boston Philharmonic. I ain't been no Borgestown Orchestra. I'm the Incredible Plum. No, you're not. Now get in there. All right, you know best. But just so we're clear, boy, don't make me angry. Shut up. <laughs> just let the food ninja do the work. So before I forget, I really want to mention that that scene, when we first see Meatwad, his mouth is not moving. His mouth is completely stationary, and then eventually it kicks in with the with the talking animation almost mid-sentence, so that's funny. Great way to start the episode there with that error, but besides that, we get a few references here. Shake is going to cut Meatwad in half with the sword. He said that Meatwad will be both Hall and Oates. This referring to Daryl Hall and John Oates, who are basically the most successful music duo in history, or, you know, one of the most successful at least. Very, very famous. You've probably heard of them. But then Meatwad says that, you know, oh, that, you know, that nobody's going to get that joke. So Shake is going to go get the blender to blend Meatwad, and then he can go as the Boston Philharmonic. The Boston Philharmonic being an orchestra that started in 1979 with 96 players, and it's, it was started by Benjamin Zander and is still being conducted by Benjamin Zander all these years later, and I've seen numbers ranging from 96 to over 100, so I tried to find the exact amount of people in the Boston Philharmonic in 2002 or 2003, and I wasn't able to, but you get the idea. It's, it's a lot of people, it's over 90 people, and that's who Meatwater is going to be. And this segment really interesting because seven years later in season seven of the show, there is an episode called Multiple Meat, which is basically this actually happening. 
Shake cuts Meatwad in half, and then he's basically two Meatwads, and then and then Meatwad keeps getting cut in half into all these little pieces, and you just have all these little chunks of sentient Meatwads all over the place. They're just little pieces of him. So years later, they actually <laughs> allow Shake to go through with this, and we see how that plays out. But we almost get there in this episode. And, it, you know, it's crazy just how different this episode turns out from the episode where Meatwad actually does get cut up by Master Shake. But, of course, we'll get there at some point down the line and discuss that one, too. Anyways, though, back to the shaving. Meatwad is in the blender. This blender, the same blender that we saw in the eighth episode of this season, Super Squatter, when Meatwad's trying to make some weenie smoothies. It's the same blender here. Meatwad's inside of it, and Frylock is going to come up and basically just shut this whole thing down. But Frylock himself is in costume as well. He is wearing a sailor's cap, a little white sailor's cap on his head or his fries, I guess. And then he has what is clearly a fake scar under his right eye which is kind of funny because under his left eye or i guess you know it, it changes depending on where he's looking but under one of his eyes he he really does have a scar there normally so it's funny that he has like a fake one on on the other cheek as well very silly but he will explain his costume and sad to see that shake's not dressed up here he doesn't get dressed up the whole episode would have liked to see what he would go as anyways let's hear frylock shutting down shake's plans Shake, unplug that. Oh, great. What could just ruin Halloween? You know you like the A-bomb. Everybody's laughing, have a good time. Then you show up, boom, everything's dead. Come on out of there, Meatwad. <laughs> so that sound was Frylock holding the blender upside down and just hitting it on the bottom so that Meatwad would slowly come out. This effect, really nice looking. I noticed, too, when Frylock takes the top off the blender, a little bit of Meatwad's head moves as well. So really nice attention to detail here. And this episode just full of effects. They even mention it on the commentary, how, how effects heavy this episode is. And it's definitely one of the most visually appealing ones and visually impressive ones that we've seen so far. But in that clip specifically, we have Shake, you know, upset that Frylock's shutting down his grand scheme of just blending Meatwad. Don't worry, Shake, you'll get to do it one of these days. And he says that Frylock is like the A-bomb, that being a reference, of course, to the atomic bomb. And while Frylock is shutting down Shake's idea for what Meatwad can be for Halloween, which was the Boston Philharmonic, he has an idea of his own for Meatwad. Meatwad can be the Bachelor. So in this clip, we will see Frylock holding a little fake mustache, uh, very colorful packaging on this. I can't see all of the text on it. One thing I can see, it says dress. I assume it's dress up. And then I assume what says ages three and up, which I, I probably wouldn't give this to a three-year-old. It's just a fake mustache in a little plastic covering. And it says the bachelor mustache on it. And again, just very colorful. Purple is the main color here. We see some neon green, neon pink, neon orange. And then we also see who is supposed to be the bachelor. I don't know if this is supposed to be some TV character or what. But he looks kind of like a, a cop or something. He is holding... A gun, a, a pistol, and he's wearing a tan, I assume what's like a trench coat or an overcoat. He has sunglasses on. He has a, a mustache of his own resembling the mustache that is being sold in this packaging. And he's got a babe on his arm. She's got black pigtails and an orange top. And, and you can't really see much of either of them. But yeah, she's up against The Bachelor. And last but not least, on the bottom right of the packaging, it says Made in Spain. And we actually have the concept art to this package, and it's it's pretty similar, basically. It says Made in Spain in the concept art, so they definitely knew that they wanted that. But something interesting in the concept art that they didn't have in the official art is on the top left, where I assume in the official art it says dress up or something like that. 
in the concept art, it says 100% hair. So this was supposed to be a real hair mustache, but maybe they just thought that was too distracting or, or just too cartoony, too silly. So they dialed that back. Also, a discrepancy between the concept art and the official art is where on the official art, it says the bachelor mustache on the concept art. It says what I think is fancy, and then uh, what I know says costume mustache. So uh, it went from costume mustache to the bachelor mustache. Anyways, back to the episode. Frylock is going to take this mustache out of the packaging, then the packaging just disappears. We don't see it again. And he puts the, the mustache on Meatwad's face, and they will go into how he is the plum, but also, you know, the plum is a bachelor as well. You're going to be the bachelor. All right! But I can still be the plum too, right? No. You better not say I can't. No. I no, Of course no, you can. No. Shake. The plum was a bachelor too, Meatwad. Yeah. He was so angry he didn't understand the compromises you gotta go through building a lasting relationship. He don't like throw a car at a woman. Plus, his genitals were purple. <laughs> so as Meatwad is talking there with the mustache on his face, it's wiggling the entire time. Again, just an effects-heavy episode. I love Shake. When Meatwad's like, I could be the Bachelor and the Plum too, right? And Shake's just like, no, no, no. Like, he's being such an asshole for no reason. Who is he to decide if Meatwad can be both or not? It doesn't matter. But he's telling Meatwad no just to make Meatwad's life harder. But of course, Frylock says, yeah, of course you can be both. And they get into some fun discussion on that. Meatwad explaining how the Plum, you know, he has a hard time in a relationship because when he gets angry, he just throws a car at a woman instead of actually, you know, working through it. So, moving on to our next clip here, Frylock is finally going to explain what his costume is. Again, remember, he just has a sailor's hat on and a fake scar. What are you supposed to be, Frylock? Oh, don't mind me. I'm just a sailor on shore leave. From the ship of the damned. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know, the ship of the damned. No. -uh. Famous short story about a ship that had a hole in it? No. Yeah, just go put on your ballerina shoes and get the rest of the outfit. Be who you really are. Dr. Zhivago. Yeah, you suck. All right, so we have two references in that clip, neither of which I'm 100% certain on what they mean. So first up, we have Frylock with his Ship of the Damned. I googled it, and I just could not find a short story called Ship of the Damned. So I don't know if he was messing up the title of it. There are certainly plenty of short stories about ships where, like, bad things happen, but I couldn't find one called Ship of the Damned about a hole in it. I, there, there is a book called Ship of the Damned, but it's not about a hole in it. It's not a short story. So not entirely sure what he's getting at there. Of course, you know, you can use your imagination of how many stories there are out there about ships with holes in them, but I, I can't guess what the correct one would be. I even found other people seemingly looking into this and, and they couldn't get any answers either. They just got, you know, a flood of different stories about ships where stuff happens. So it is what it is, I guess. Next up, we have Master Shake telling Frylock to get his ballerina shoes and all this stuff. He's insulting him. Basically, what I take it is as Shake calling Frylock a girl or even calling him gay and making a reference to Dr. Zhivalgo. And I had no idea what that was. I looked into it. It's, it's a book. It's a film. So I was mostly looking at the film because I assumed Shake wouldn't read a book. And I just cannot get the reference he's making here. So Dr. Zhivago, it's, it's a love story film ultimately set during World War I and the Russian Civil War. It's, it's like, you know, war themes and stuff to it. And there's this love theme, but it's not homosexual at all. It's, it's a guy lusting after a woman. And, I, you know, I didn't watch the film, but I, it came out in 1965. I assume that there is no, you know, 
homosexuality in it or anything like that based on that time period i just cannot get the reference he's making here it just makes no sense and maybe that's just the point maybe that's you know why it's funny is he he doesn't know what he's talking about i guess i i just cannot find any sort of feasible link between the implication that shake is making and dr Javalgo the film i even looked into the actor too i'm like maybe Maybe Omar Sharif, the guy who played Dr. Zhivago, maybe he was gay, but I didn't see that either on his Wikipedia page or looking into him at all, so no idea. The point here is Shake is insulting Frylock, and Frylock is angry now. He's just gonna go get the candy. I'll just go get the candy, okay? I got 10 bucks says he's wearing women's panties under that. Around the world. I know what I said! <laughs> Meet one. Don't repeat me. like you. So again, Shake just with the insults towards Frylock. He said, I bet he's wearing women's panties under there, but it doesn't make sense. Under what? Maybe under the hat that he has on? But anyways, while this conversation is going on, our villain of the episode just casually walks up. He, it looks like just an onion with eyes and a mouth and, and these weird kind of spidery legs. He has four of them, like I said earlier. He just walks into the scene and then he pulls out an electric shaver that a man would use on his face. He, he just He's just going to pull that out. Let's listen from there. Oh, good one, Frylock. Which crappy book is this one from? Onion of Arabia? Yeah. <laughs> Onion. Well, hey, look at this. Our first trick-or-treater. What are you do? No, no. See, I'm the haunted sailor we from know. this. We heard where you're from, and it sucks. As you could hear, they first thought that this was Frylock, but then Frylock comes in holding what is supposed to be the candy. To me, he has a plate in his hand, and it looks like pieces of carrot or something. I can't really tell what this candy is supposed to be. But Frylock thinks that this creature in their house is just a trick-or-treater, which is like, really? You think that a, a human could dress up and look like this? But the creature is there. Shake makes another 60s film reference with Onion of Arabia, but he's referencing Lawrence of Arabia, the 1962 film. So Shake just on it today with the, the 60s film references. And before the creature speaks, I want to give just some information on the different ideas they had for the creature because we have all different concept art of what they wanted this thing to look like and they are all very different. So of course, check the Dancing is Forbidden Twitter page and the Instagram. I'll have this stuff up like I have been doing. But from the beginning, it seems like they, they knew they wanted this to be some sort of onion, but they didn't know how they wanted it to move and everything, kind of going back to their issues with Frylock and, and Shake and everything. When they first had the idea for the show, they didn't really know how to make these characters look. They're running into it here with this food item. So the first drawing we have is of an onion, but it has a body. It's kind of a humanoid figure. It's an upside down onion. The, the kind of messy parts on the bottom of an onion are its hair. It has a, an evil look on its face. And it just has kind of vine arms and legs, and it stands up and, and walks around. This looking very menacing. Next up, we have a similar design. It doesn't look as menacing. It looks kind of uh, dumber in, in its face. It looks a little bit more chill, like a normal Aqua Teen villain. And its arms are, are the uh, vines, or I guess rather, you know, roots or whatever of the onion. But instead of two legs, it just has one long tail. So it has two arms and then kind of a tail that it would kind of slither around with. From there... We get basically just an onion with a kind of a deadpan look on its face, no arms or legs. And then the last idea we get before the idea they went with was essentially a snake with an onion's head. It has a long snake tongue and a rattle. It's like a rattle kind of snake. So all different designs here, just all over the place until they decide on the kind of spider onion idea that they went with here. Yeah, they just had all these different ideas. Now, I don't know if the order I listed them in is the order that they were done in. 
maybe you know this was all done completely out of order i have no idea that's just the order that they were shown in on the dvd but yes the creature we see it's not like particularly menacing which seems to be the idea they really went with after the first concept art that i described that did look menacing it's just kind of like a uh, chilled out kind of face onion body and then brown spider looking legs Lastly, I need to mention in that clip that at some point, Meatwad's mustache ends up in his mouth, and now in this next clip, he's going to just start spitting out pieces of it, so he was kind of like chewing on it. I don't think he really ate it, but he definitely chewed it up and, and will spit it out now. So let's jump into our next clip. We will hear the creature speak finally. Let's hear what he's got to say. Uh, I don't think you understand, man. I live here. Okay, okay, I get it. You're insane, creature guy. Uh, no, this isn't a costume. Uh, I live in the attic. I'm a monster. The creature revealing it's not a costume. He's actually a monster who lives in their attic. He lives there. <laughs> you know, he just casually walked up. I, I, I like still just how he walked up and he just turns on this razor and looks at them and then puts it away. Or, or, or shaver, rather. And of course, the implication here is that this creature has been in their house the entire time and it was there... I guess before they even moved in, we'll get to that in a little bit. And also, I'm wondering why did this thing decide now is the time for it to come down? Although uh, later we'll get to, into the episode that it, it seemingly had been coming down the entire time. We just never really ran across it. The Aqua Teens somehow never noticed it. This also makes me wonder why the Aqua Teens never thought to go into their attic before. Kind of strange. But anyways, this is the voice of Tom Sharpling. This being one of his earliest television appearances and before this he was well known as a dj on the new jersey radio station wfmu he was a pretty popular dj as in you know disc jockey on the air and his show i believe was also syndicated online so he became famous because of that because you know people weirdos like us could tune in to his show and hear his humor that was you know not too far off from aquatine tom also was a writer on the show monk at this point very popular show monk and he went on to become a producer on monk and he went on to be on other shows like adventure time and steven universe after this probably shows that you know a lot of you are familiar with and he's involved in some capacity in a lot of other stuff that I like. Uh, for example, he was a consulting producer on an episode of Nathan For You. And he also writes on some episodes of Tom Goes to the Mayor, an adult swim show that hasn't come out in our timeline yet. But yeah, Tom Sharpling was a DJ primarily at this time. He was probably most known for that. And Matt and Dave actually were on his show, I know, at least once in 2002. So before this episode was written, I assume, they were on Tom Sharpling's show. So they, you know, were, were friendly with him via that, I assume. And they probably just, you know, liked him, liked his voice and everything and got him on Aquatine. While this seems to be his only time actually being on Aquatine, he is on this DVD's special features. There is a documentary feature on the Volume 3 disc called How to Score Big Making Money Writing for Television, named ironically, of course. And the whole thing is kind of start to, I guess, just table read of, of doing a script for Aquatine. The episode they do is the cloning, which we have yet to get to, of course. It's later on in this season. And Tom Sharpling in a in live action form opens up that skit he is wearing a cape and he's sitting on a chair and he kind of introduces the the feature so he was on the special features disc as well if you have the the volume 3 disc you can see him there so he seemed to be friends with the guys around this time if they got him back to do that as well unfortunately this character Willie Nelson he never makes a reappearance in the show at least in, in a speaking capacity over on the Patreon feed we actually 
just pointed out an Easter egg with him in the 2007 film, but of course he doesn't speak after this episode. And real quick before we wrap up everything about Tom Sharpling, if you want more information on him as well as another deep dive into this episode, The Shaving, check out the podcast What a Cartoon. They're the ones who inspired me to start this podcast and, you know, I kind of borrowed some of their format for this podcast. They cover The Shaving over there. They cover all sorts of cartoons. And uh, both of those hosts had had histories with Tom Sharpling, with his his radio show and everything. So if you'd like to hear more firsthand experience, definitely check out What a Cartoon and their coverage of this episode, The Shaving. All right, so moving on to our next clip here. The monster lives in their house. Let's hear how Shake is going to react to this. Oh, no. Frylock, get the axe. Um, oh, so no. Do you have any mail for me? <laughs> Willie Nelson? Willie Nelson. Well, not the Willie Nelson. <laughs> But my, my name is Willie Nelson. Wait a minute. I think we might have time to order an axe from a website. Will we make That is it? weird. <laughs> well, you know, come to think of it, we do occasionally get mail for Willie Nelson. I used to forward it, but now I just throw it out. <laughs> oh, sorry. Good. Thanks. So two things going on here. We have Shake, you know, looking for an axe, but he's like, oh, I can't find it. Well, we have time to order one because, you know, this is so low stakes. They can wait for that to come. Kind of surprising that Shake isn't like, hey, you owe us some money or anything because he's tried to sell the house. He's tried to rent a room. And upon finding out that there's been a freeloader the entire time, he takes it, you know, pretty well. And the second thing we have going on here is we have Willie Nelson. That turns out to be his name, of course, named after the famous country music star Willie Nelson. But he's, you know, this isn't the Willie Nelson, of course. He's asking if they get his mail and Frylock's like, oh, yeah, sometimes we do. But I've just been throwing it out. Understandably, I mean, I, you know, I, you could forward it for so long. But after a while, it's like, all right, am I just going to do this for the rest of my life? But Willie Nelson does not take too kindly to this. He's about to walk over to their TV and throw it out the window, the window that is sometimes there, other times not in their living room that, uh, you know, is up against the wall that the television is up against. So he's going to go over there and throw it out the window. Oh, this isn't mine. I think I'll throw it out. Hey, <laughs> that was my window to the world. Well, now it's been shattered by the monster. Pretty scary, right? No. What's that word that's the exact opposite of scary? Doggos? <laughs> Where? Get out of my way! Those are mine! I made them! Something that I found interesting is the way that Willie Nelson walks up the TV, and then he picks it up with the two arms on his left side, meaning that he's holding himself up completely, basically on, on one side of his body. It's very impressive. His legs are very strong, way stronger than I would have expected them to be. And then he throws the TV out the window. Again, we know that that window's there sometimes, sometimes it's not. But what's funny is we get an outside shot. We see the, these two windows and the further back window appears to also be in their living room because we see some wood paneling in that second window as well when you would think that one would be in the kitchen, which does not have wood paneling. So really just a total discrepancy here between the outside of their house and the inside of it. Something that we talked about over on the Aqua Teen Hunger Force, the very unofficial game stream, because, you know, Kirk Splosion, the guy who made it, had to try and figure out what their house looked like, even though you know, these pictures of it don't really match up the outside to the inside very much. You kind of have to use your imagination. Anyway, so that previous clip, I love the little uh, Shake's like, what's the opposite of scary? And Meatwad says tacos, and then Shake's instantly like, oh, those are mine, I made them. He just goes running around looking for them spastically. Not a whole lot to say, though, about that previous clip besides uh, what's been discussed, so let's Keep on with this scene. Let's hear what else 
Willie Nelson has to say. Okay, well, look, the scaring will resume when I get back to your attic. You live in the attic? He has said that twice already. You're just now getting this? There's a monster in the attic? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I was driven here by the villagers when I was doing 30 and a 25, and um, I guess when I say villagers, it's more like this one guy. I, I really didn't know him, but, I, you know, I knew him. But it's not like we were buds or anything. You want him to repeat that? No, I heard it. <laughs> Thanks for joining us now. All right, so Frylock asks, oh, you live in the attic, and then Shake comes out saying he has said that twice already. Actually, he, he did, I guess, when when Shake said that, but I, I feel like Shake kind of misused that. Really, Willie Nelson only said that once before, and then Frylock was responding to the second time, so it's weird to be like, yeah, he said that twice already, when really he kind of just said it once already. But upon hearing it repeated so many times, that's when it finally kicks in for Meatwad, because Meatwad kind of reacts to everyone else saying that Willie Nelson lives in the attic. I don't want to get too into the specific things that everybody is saying here, because obviously this is a very dialogue-heavy episode up till this point. But I do want to say, I just really appreciate the way that they're using Shake here. He's very funny. Everything he's adding to the scene is just fantastic. Sometimes, you know, earlier in this season, I feel like they kind of overdid it with him or, or didn't do it in the best way. But here, they're just really nailing it, like, perfectly. I really, really enjoy what Shake is adding to the episode here without it becoming solely about him. Anyways, moving on with our, with our scene here. Frylock is about to ask Willie Nelson, what's up with his razor, his shaver that he pulls out menacingly? What's the deal with that? What's up with the razor? Oh, well, I shave. Once every couple days. It's nerve-wracking. Well, it's, it's supposed to be. Well, it's not. You shave up Well, we wouldn't hear it anyway. I mean, we actually do have pretty good insulation up there. I know. It's sweltering. I mean, do you guys have a fan or something? I mean, I'm just going to borrow it. I'm not going to keep it. First of all, I love the joke of Meatwad being freaked out. Like, you shave up there? He's all scared. He, he jumps back when he, when he realizes what's going on up in the attic there. Some horrible shaving. But for the most part, Willie Nelson here is just very mundane, pretty boring, not very scary at all. We get this whole conversation about him wanting to borrow a fan because it's so hot up there. You know, you figure a monster, a scary monster, wouldn't care about the temperature. But yeah, it's sweltering up in the attic. And Shake is going to react to this. All of this mundanity, if that's even a word, is being set up for a reason. Shake is going to get angry because of how boring this monster is. You are the gayest monster since gay came to gay town. Whoa, easy. Where, where's this coming from? No, let's get down to it. What I say is very baffling. Hey, hey, whoa, 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 you two. We don't want any trouble here now, okay? No, I'm with you. I don't think violence solves anything. God, you're gay. You don't think violence solves anything? What kind of monster are you? Look, I'm, I'm pretty hardcore. I mean, I've been known to do a number on plenty of cats. Do a number? Yeah, I bet you do a number in your tights on Broadway, which is where you moved to after you left Texas Chainsaw Mascara, where you're from. What's he talking about? How much you want to bet me you couldn't scare Jack? Shake just going off on this incredible rant. He's just ranting and raving this entire episode, first at Meatwad, then at Frylock, now at Willie Nelson. He's just angry and just screaming at everybody, and that was definitely one of his most legendary rants what we just listened to. Now, it's tempting to want to go through and, and dissect every line. Not going to do that because I don't feel like I have a whole lot to add other than, haha, that's funny. But I do want to point out how he brought up the Texas Chainsaw Mascara. And of course, 
in Spirit Journey Formation Anniversary, our coverage of that one. The popular film that week in 2003 was the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Although, of course, I assume Shake is referring to the original one, but but a, a kind of a timely joke here. But yeah, just some great lines from Shake here. But I also really love Willie Nelson's response. I love these muted villains on the show, as I've discussed so many times. Willie Nelson's character here, similar to me, to Emery a little bit. He's just like, oh, I can do a number on some cats or whatever he says. Just really lame shit like that. He's just not menacing at all. But who is menacing is Shake, because several times throughout that clip, Frylock basically had to hold Shake back or, or pull him back because he was almost getting violent with Willie Nelson there. And in the commentary, they comment on this because at one point, Frylock picks Shake up just with one fry on Shake's straw. And it's very funny. It's like, how first of all, how strong are his fries? I mean, Shake has to have some weight to him, and Frylock can just move him with one fry. Also... You know, how does that work? Are, are his fries sticky? Do they have suction cups on them? It makes no sense, and it's not really something I thought about until I heard the commentary guys mention it. Anyways, though, that last clip ended with Shake basically challenging Willie Nelson. You couldn't scare Jack. Then we cut to outside. We're at Carl's house in his front yard. Willie Nelson is there. Frylock is there. Shake is there. Meatwad's there. Again, Meatwad is purple throughout the entire episode. It's, it's very funny. And they're going to ring Carl's doorbell. They're going to try and scare him. Let's hear how that goes. Hi, Carl. Who's this, your freaking mother? Uh, <laughs> no, Carl. It, it's, it's your neighbor, remember? Willie Nelson? I was driven here by the villagers. Well, and, villager. Well, the villager. Yeah, that's a great story. See ya. <laughs> Carl closing the door on them. I love that whole interaction. We didn't get any Carl in the last episode, but they have him coming in hot here. Just, who's this, your freaking mother? <laughs> when he sees Willie Nelson, who rang the doorbell. I like Meatwad too. Hey, Carl. He's just happy to see Carl. But I want to point out here, when Meatwad says, hey, Carl, his mouth doesn't move at all. He's just smiling the entire time, which is funny. And then I love that Meatwad... He follows up on Willie Nelson's story. He's like, I was driven here by the villagers, and then Meatwad chimes in with, well, villager, which Willie Nelson said earlier. I don't think I commented on that, by the way. I love his origin story. He was going, what was it, 30 and a 25 or something like that? Just great. And some continuity here with Meatwad that actually I didn't really pick up on until the Master Shake Theater pod guys pointed out that in the Cybernetic Ghost of Christmas Past from the Future episode... Nobody can follow the cybernetic ghost story except for Meatwad. And in that episode, Meatwad kind of has follow-up questions to the story. And that's kind of the case here is that Meatwad, he paid attention to Willie Nelson's story and was able to kind of chime in with some, you know, finer details of it for Carl. However, Carl doesn't give a fuck about any of this. I mean, I'm sure he was glad in the last episode to not be involved whatsoever. He, he closes the door. But they're not going to give up yet. Willie Nelson, he's going to try again after Shake kind of mocks him a little bit. All right. Hey, up. Let's go. Oh, hold on. <laughs> the shaving. The shaving. I'm calling the cops. He will do it. Oh, oh I'm out of here, man. <laughs> then, then we better go. What is this? The shaving. The shaving. Get some edge, man. Well, this has a triple edge with special lubricating strip. Now, this will do a number. You want to see how to scare the neighbor? Check this out. So Shake is about to take his own crack at scaring Carl. But before that, obviously, you heard Carl wants to call the cops because they're, they're just fucking bothering him. And then we get more talk on the shaving. And according to the Aqua Teen Hunger Force fandom wiki, the shaving, the, the title of the episode is a parody on Stephen King's The Shining. And I don't know if that's like 100% confirmed. I think it's a, it's a good guess and it's a good assumption, but I don't know if it is 
for sure, but it would make sense, you know, for example, The Meat Zone was a play on Stephen King's The Dead Zone, so, you know, it, it's not too far out there for them to parody Stephen King titles. Something I think is funny about this episode that I want to mention now is that even though it's Halloween, they don't actually go trick-or-treating. You figure that would be Meatwad's number one priority would be to go trick-or-treating, but they don't in the episode, and you don't see any other trick-or-treaters. You assume that, you know, uh, there'd be people outside while they're doing all the shenanigans that they just did and that they're about to do throughout the episode, but you never see any other trick-or-treaters, and they don't get any at their house. Meatwad doesn't go trick-or-treating. Um, you know, I, I love this episode. I think this episode is great, but I, I would love to see an episode where they actually do go trick-or-treating. Moving on, Shake is going to show Willie Nelson how it's done. He's going to show him how to scare Carl, and that is by ringing the doorbell and then throwing Meatwad at Carl. Let's learn from the master. What? Hey, catch! <laughs> get him off! Get him off! Get him off! It's too easy! Whoa, cool. Can I try that? No. Only I can do that. But I will show you the ways of a monster. Come. A really great visual touch there is Shake throws Meatwad, you know, Meatwad's just smiling. Hey, Carl. And Carl starts freaking out. As Shake runs away, he trips and then gets back up really quick and keeps running away. Just a great touch. Something you would see in like trailer park boys because they're always falling down and shit on that show. I just love it so much. It's a great little visual touch. I also love the idea that, you know, Willie Nelson wants to try and do that, but Shake's like, no, only I can do that. It doesn't make any sense why Shake is the only one to do it, but, you know, obviously he's just kind of gatekeeping this thing that he knows will scare Carl. But Shake is not leaving Willie Nelson high and dry. He's going to teach him how to be a scary monster. We cut back into the Aqua Teen's house. We're in the living room, of course. I should mention that their green chair is now back in place. Previously in the episode in the living room, it was not there. So I guess someone moved it back at some point. And we see Willie Nelson is now, he, he is wielding two chainsaws, one in each of his front arms. So he's balancing on his back legs at this point. I guess he can just stand on those back legs, no problem. He's holding these chainsaws. They are orange. And then the guide bar, it is called that big long thing that the chains are on. That is black. And then the chains themselves are orange as well. So this looks really slick. It's, it's orange and black, cool Halloween colors. And I want to point out here, this is not the chainsaw we saw in the Super Sirloin episode that Shake comes out of the closet with. This is a different chainsaw. And I'm pretty sure this is the first time that we are seeing this specific chainsaw asset. Something important to mention about these chainsaws, though, is that they are plugged in. They are not, you know, gasoline powered or, or battery operator or what have you. They are plugged in. So that will come into play a little bit later. But yeah, we have some some long orange extension cords as well. So very nice color coordination here, especially for Halloween colors, too. But all right, that is the visual setup. Now, please enjoy Master Shake's Horror Monster Masterclass. Now, remember... You have no regard for human life, most especially women, because they have the organs that you wish that you had. So you want to make a suit from them. But I don't want to make a suit Listen from to me, them. That's how it's done. All you concern yourself with is kill, kill, kill. You got it? None of this side crap, because it's throwing you off. And who's going to stop you anyway? You're immortal. Are you sure? Uh, that, that, that doesn't Please, sound right. Uh, do me another favor. Lose the shaving. Monsters don't groom themselves. They're friggin' maniacs. Oh, <laughs> Shake is just exasperated. Oh, and then he literally just bends over and looks down for a moment before going on with, you know, his his speech here. But a funny visual touch when he starts talking about how women have the organs that Willie Nelson wants. Uh, Shake rubs his own body while he's saying that very specific here. Shake is is definitely invested in this idea. This seems to be a shout out to Silence of the Lambs. 
as well as potentially Texas Chainsaw Massacre. But serial killer Ed Gein definitely did stuff like that. He uh, made, you know, pieces of clothing from women's skin and stuff. So Shake is getting these ideas from all over the place. Back to our master class, though, Shake is exasperated in our last clip. He's bending over. So in our next clip, he's still kind of like just looking down for a moment, catching his breath and, and collecting his thoughts, I suppose. He's going to get back up and then he's going to go through a role playing exercise with Willie Nelson. OK, now, whoa, what's this? It's John Q. Public. Hey, I'm just walking along the street and suddenly a monster pops out and says, what are you doing here? <laughs> No! 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 Will you read the sheet? Oh. Nice head. I think I'll take it. There we go. But a little more feeling, okay? I can't want it for you. Because they'll know. So, something you pick up on here is the reason that the green chair is back is because they needed something for Willie Nelson to hide behind to jump out and, uh, you know, do this role-playing exercise, because in real life, he's supposed to be hiding behind a bush or something and then jumping out. Something here I did not pick up on until listening to What a Cartoon's coverage of this episode years ago when that episode came out was... When Willie Nelson says, what are you doing here? I thought he was just messing up his line or, or just saying something different. Because in my mind, that does work. You know, hey, what are you doing here? Like, you shouldn't be here, that kind of thing. I thought that's what he was going for. But really, what's happening is Shake wrote out this script for him. And Willie Nelson is reading the response to what he was supposed to say. So he's basically reading the wrong line from the script. So this joke, way funnier than I thought it was. He's not just, you know, saying his own thing he's actually saying what the response to what he's saying is supposed to be so the script is supposed to be nice head i think i'll take it and then the person responds what are you doing here that's how it's supposed to play out but uh yeah um uh, willie nelson he's reading the script now and frylock is entering the scene and he's gonna put the sailor hat that he was wearing previously on willie nelson also if you get around to watching this one willie nelson has five legs at one point during this scene because he's holding so many things. So let's give all that a listen. And and wear this sailor's hat too. Oh, would you mind, please? <laughs> We're working here. I just think the sailor's hat adds a nice- It's gonna land us one of those rainbow flags to hang out front. Now get out of here. All right, I'm gonna roll. I'm on this. Now remember, <laughs> the chainsaws are electric, so you only got about 30 feet to play with. Now go, kill like crazy. Kill them! That's Willie Nelson walking out the front door, and you see the cord just dragging behind him. He's got 30 feet to play with, which of course means he's going to go over to Carl's, because, you know, who else are they going to bug? Who else is going to entertain them? But before we get there, there's just so much going on here that I appreciate. I, I like Master Shake. Like, we're working here. I think Shake is just excited to be going through a script with somebody, you know. It's been touched on so many times in the show that Shake, he really wants to be in Hollywood. He wants to be an actor in, in movies and stuff. So here is really the time where he gets to flex his chops, you know. He makes fun of Willie Nelson for doing a number on Broadway, but really that's what Shake wants to do. Shake wants to be the entertainer in front of everyone. And and this is really just his time to really dig into a hobby that he likes that he can't really practice with anybody else, which is acting. The last thing I want to touch on here is how homophobic, I guess, Shake is 
in this episode how many gay jokes he's making, which of course at the time was just so incredibly common. It's not like this show is is outside of the norm for the period it was created in. I'm not approaching it from that angle. I just mean in terms of Shake hasn't really made these kinds of jokes throughout the series up until this point, and now on this episode he's just he's just slinging them left and right. So not really sure where he picked up that trait from. Maybe he uh, saw something on TV or something that he liked, and now he's just he's just busting out the gay jokes or something because again. I, I don't feel like he really gave us many of those throughout the show's run up until this point. So really interesting now that there's just so many in this episode. Continuing on with, with the episode, though, we have Willie Nelson now walking to Carl's. He has both chainsaws and he also has the script, which I didn't mention, is, is literally just pierced through his foot, I guess, for lack of a better term. I don't know the, the term for this. You know, like a spider's foot is just a little point and that's what he has, a little point, And the script is just impaled through there and he's reading it. He's got Frylock's sailor hat on as well. He's heading over to Carl's house. He, he's practicing his lines and he's ready to give Carl a real scare. Unfortunately, though, right as he gets to Carl's door, he's gone too far. He's gone 30 feet, and the chainsaws come unplugged, and then Carl answers the door, and Willie Nelson doesn't know what to do. Also, Meatwad is at Carl's house, remember? Shake through Meatwad at Carl, and now he's just hanging out, so Meatwad will be in the scene, too, which I just love. Let's hear how this all plays out. Nice head, I think I'll take it. Nice head, I think I'll take it. Nice head, I think... Oh, crap. What? What do you want? Yeah, what do you want? Um, what are you doing here? <laughs> I live here, ass. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. And I'm just visiting. Um, hey, you didn't get any of my mail by mistake, did you? Willie Nelson? Hang on, let me look. Eat me. <laughs> well, if it shows up, bring it over. If you dare. God, I suck. <laughs> Poor Willie Nelson, he just chokes completely on the spot. He's practicing his line over and over again. Nice head, I think I'll take it. And then when push comes to shove, you know, when he's actually in the moment, it's just he just reverts to, what are you doing here? Which, again, makes no sense. Carl, I live here, asshole. And then Meatwad just, and I'm just visiting. <laughs> just th th this rapid fire back-to-back -back of all these just great jokes and responses just just makes this episode a classic, I think. But I love how, you know, without the script here, Willie Nelson just reverts to, oh, have you gotten any of my mail? And then Meatwad's like, I'll go check. <laughs> like he, He's living at Carl's now, apparently. Very, very, very funny. I love that scene. I mean, as I've said so many times in the podcast, I love when Meatwad and Carl are getting along, and we get that in this episode too, which I just love so much. Obviously, though, that did not go as expected. It did not go as planned. And Willie Nelson is down on himself. He, he's upset that he, he's not a good monster. And he's going to go back to the Aqua Teen's house to, you know, fill Shake in. Shake is dying to know what happened. I'm surprised Shake just stayed inside. You'd think that, you know, he would have gone with Willie Nelson to watch from, from a distance or whatever. But obviously this, you know, episode or, or this joke in this scene doesn't work out. If that's the case. So, yeah, Shake was just waiting patiently back at their house doing what? I, I don't know. Maybe watching TV. And Willie Nelson comes back. Shake is going to push the green chair up to him and say, here, sit down. We get a cool animation of Willie Nelson just crawling into the chair. And he's going to tell Shake how everything went. Okay, sit down. Tell me. How did it go? You told him your name, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, Blood Feast Island Man. Just like you said. And what else? Come on, don't be shy. Well... Of course, Blood Feast Island Man does thirst for blood. Yes, the thirst is part of his pain because the devil had sex with a dog yeah. and your mother I know all about that. was that very yeah, dog. Yeah, yeah, I, I know. And as you know, because you wrote it, 
I do feel the need to kill again. You crave it! <laughs> um, I guess that friend Carl knows that pretty well. <laughs> By now, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I think he got the point, you know what I mean? <laughs> I get it, oh, you sit there. So that is Willie Nelson lying to Shake, saying, yeah, I told him my name, Bloodfeast Island Man. Obviously, he didn't. He, n- none of that happened. And, and you see a look on his face once Shake starts asking more questions that Willie Nelson, he's just kind of like, like his face is really conveying that he's lying and, and he's upset about it. And, and this whole thing is just a disaster. But he's leading Shake on to make Shake think that he killed Carl. And Shake's just laughing about it. You know, Shake's, again, the, the real monster here. He's the real maniac that he's laughing that he thinks his neighbor was just killed with chainsaws and he's just giggling about it and you know I, I think a part of it too is he's so happy that his script was acted upon the screenplay he wrote you know was made in a sense he's so happy about that but we start to hear a knock at the door and shake says oh you know wait here i'll get it which is surprising because in revenge of the trees as we know shake doesn't like to get up and get the door although he was watching tv in that episode he's not watching tv right now so maybe that plays a part in it but we hear a knock at the door and Shake goes to answer the door, and it's Carl, and he throws Meatwad back at Shake. And funny touch here is that Carl is wearing yellow dish gloves, I guess, the gloves you wear when you're doing dishes, which people wear in real life when they're cosplaying as Shake or dressing up as him. So that's kind of funny that he's wearing Shake gloves in a sense. And there's also a purple stain on Carl's shirt, too, from where Meatwad hit him originally. And something asked in the commentary on this episode was how did they make Meatwad purple? And I think whoever responded took it literally like, oh, well, we did it, you know, in the coloring department or something. But I think the person asking in the commentary, I can't remember who it was, but he meant like in universe. And that's a good question. What did they do to Meatwad to make him purple? Obviously, it's getting on things. It got on Carl's shirt and it's just messy. It gets everywhere. Uh, food coloring, I guess. You know, later in the season, we will see Meatwad does have food coloring and he does play with food coloring. So I suppose he could have just filled himself with purple food coloring. Anyways, though, let's drop in and hear Carl's prank back on Shake, where he's going to throw Meatwad at Shake. <laughs> you have a taste, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Don't touch me! Hey, how you doing? I'm going back to the attic. I'm going back next door. Look out, I see over there. You didn't do Jack, did you? Blood Feast Island Pansy, which is your new name until you earn the right to kill. Shake at this point, he has purple on him now too. So yeah, like I said, Meatwad, his purple is getting everywhere, which if it was food coloring would make sense. Great reaction from Meatwad there though, when he gets thrown on Shake and Shake is freaking out. Meatwad, his feelings aren't hurt by people being freaked out by him. He's just like, hey, how's it going? You know, he's 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 used to it, I guess. It doesn't phase him whatsoever. And he's just a happy chipper guy. He's going to go back to Carl's because they have AC over there, which it's late October. So I can't really imagine AC would be that necessary, right? It's nighttime. I, I've never been to New Jersey, but... I would think that late October, you know, it's it's Halloween, so October 31st at night is probably pretty chilly outside, so AC wouldn't be that nice, but I mean, overall, makes sense. Carl's house is nicer than the Aqua Teen's house, so I can't say I blame Meatwad for preferring it over there. After all that, though, Shake, you know, he realized that Willie Nelson was lying about everything, and he kind of berates him for it. So now he's going to help Willie Nelson pull off the biggest scare of the century, We cut back to outside Carl's house, and there's just all sorts of stuff rigged up now. 
So the first shot we get is just a close-up of Willie Nelson. He's ringing the doorbell, and we see instantly that there's stuff going on. There's there's blood on the door, there's blood on Carl's house, and we can see some writing, which I'll get to in a moment. But zoomed in here, we also see on the handle they have some jumper cables. We don't see what they're hooked up to yet. And then we get a, we get a shot of Shake, and he is in a cement truck that says D&M Cement on it. I, I have to wonder if D&M stands for Dave and Matt, the co-creators of Aqua Teen, obviously. And the number on the truck also says 168, so it's D&M Cement Co. And I should mention, of course, this truck is parked in Carl's driveway. And then we get a shot of an electrical transformer outside Carl's house, and then it's all hooked up to Carl's house, and that's what's leading to the door handle there. So, just insanity. Like, first of all, the fact that they were able to get all this blood on Carl's house, and then the cement truck, like, okay, you figure Carl would be like, hey, what's going on? But then they also somehow installed a transformer outside, because I don't think the joke here is like, oh, this was always there, because, you know, like, it could be just a continuity issue. I don't think that's the case. I really think the case here is that they somehow set this up. Doesn't make any sense how they did this, especially all in one night, and especially being Halloween. I mean, there are presumably people trick-or-treating all over the place. How are they able to do all this with all these people who would have seen everything happening? But yeah, the plan here so far is to electrocute Carl, and then also there's a cement truck involved. We pan out, we see a full shot of the house, we see just writing all over the house. On the roof it says, Bloody Blood Island Man, yeah, written in blood. We see, this is a warning written in blood. We see kind of a, a face with fangs drawn in blood. Blood Feast, Island Man was here. Uh, you will die. Kill. Die. Those are just a few of the things written out. Uh, Island Man is written out. There's just blood all over Carl's house, and, and there are stains of it on the grass as well. So that's the, the visual component of this. The biggest spook of the century. Let's see if it works out. Bring it again. Come on out, Carl! Punch the handle! Come on, we're not gonna do anything! Ring it again, he's in there. Hey, um, are we trying to kill him or scare him? Killing is scary. Come on, it's Halloween! Uh, I don't know if I want to be a part of this. Well, too late. This is your work. It's got your name all over it. <laughs> enough of this shit. Fine, thanks, Carl! You know, we didn't want you to come out anyway. Why don't you stay in there and have a little more drinky drinky on me? That audio kind of filtering out because we get a shot from inside Carl's house and we see Shake's face just up against the window. And Willie Nelson really has a point here because, like, this isn't really scary because Carl would just instantly die upon touching his handle. So he wouldn't be scared. He would just die. I, I guess it could be scary to people who find out about all this. But uh, yeah, I think Shake's just kind of missing the point here. He's just going to kill somebody, not really scare them. Again, though, this just is not working. And Shake is he, he's just fed up and he's going to instruct Willie Nelson, who is now inside the cement truck. And he's going to say, you know, pull the handle, drop the blood. The cement truck is filled with blood. And the idea, I guess, was to electrocute Carl and then drop the blood everywhere, somehow uh, making this even scarier. And so, yeah, Shake's like, all right, well, we can't get him to touch the door handle. Let's just drop the blood. But while Willie Nelson is trying to figure out how to do it because there's so many levers in there and he's not trained on how to how to operate this vehicle or or its mechanisms, Shake is standing there and Carl is going to jump up in his window with the plum mask on, scaring Shake, causing Shake to jump backwards into the Transformer, electrocuting him, and right as he falls to the ground, Willie Nelson figures out how to drop the blood, so he drops the blood all over the freshly electrocuted Shake. 
Lower the blood. Which lever is it? There's like three of them. I said do it! <laughs> okay, I got it. <laughs> hey, you hear me? <laughs> so, so Willie Nelson didn't know what happened, really. He's just, hey, did you hear me? And so Shake's plan just backfiring. You love to see it because he's trying to kill Carl, but he ends up just seriously injuring himself. A great effect on this blood animation, it's just like a, a physics simulation or something of blood coming down. And according to the commentary, Mark Garcia was the person really in charge of a lot of the effects on this episode. And I guess Mark worked really hard on this to make it look great. And I think he really succeeded. This episode definitely very visually impressive, especially just this scene alone has so much going on with the electricity and, and the blood animation and, and all this stuff just going on. Mark really knocked it out of the park on this one. And kind of like we touched on in Revenge of the Trees, because the show is so basic and bare bones, when they do bust out these effects, it really makes a difference and it really shows and it's easily observable that there's just more going on in certain episodes. To recap though, Shake is, he's on the ground covered in blood now and his eyes are just like wide open. He just got electrocuted very, very horribly. We're going to cut inside Carl's house to hear him and Meatwad talking about this. Carl, he has taken off the plum mask and he now has, has purple dye on his face. And I have to assume some grease from Meatwad, some of Meatwad's meat potentially on his face as well. They're going to be laughing about this inside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was freaking awesome! Oh, oh. oh, no, thank you. Think I got enough of your skin on my face here. Come on, boy. I know where he is. We're gonna scare him good. <laughs> Love Meatwad with the, I know where he lives. We're gonna scare him good. Carl seemingly changed his shirt because there's no longer Meatwad dye on his shirt. But, like I said, he has stuff all over his face. Of course you know I am living for this Meatwad Carl friendship. They're pranking people. They're having a good time laughing together, having fun. You know, Carl has his boundaries. He's like, hey, I'm, I'm not going to give you a high five because I already have enough of your skin on my face. But he's, you know, he's being nice to Meatwad overall and they're just getting along. So it seems like a great Halloween for Meatwad here. I'm trying to think back to some of my favorite Halloween memories. I actually can't remember a ton. I know I loved Halloween as a kid, always liked dressing up, liked getting candy, all that good stuff. I did share my Halloween story in the Super Trivia episode where my dad took me to the back streets to go trick-or-treating, which, of course, I thought was badass. I think the only other Halloween that really stands out in my mind would be when I was a teenager or like, like 14 or 15. I think it was freshman year of high school. Just hanging out with my friends, obviously. We weren't dressed up. We weren't trick-or-treating. Just hanging out with my buddies. Uh, good time. And, and that's similar to what Meatwad has going on here. It's not about the candy. It's not about the trickery. It's not about dressing up, being spooky, nothing like that. It's about the friendship. Meatwad and Carl, they're cooking up another plot to, to scare Shake, to trick him. And until we see that, we cut back to the Aqua Teen's house. We have Shake sitting in the green chair and he is just fried. His hands are melted, similar to how they were in Superhero at the beginning of the season. Shake is a red color. His straw is bursting at the top and there's just trauma marks, I guess, all over him. Just black marks everywhere. All, all this stuff happened to him. His eyes are just bulbous in his head. You see a bunch of veins in his eyes. He's just in horrible shape and they're going to recap how it went down. Okay, let's review. What happened? <laughs> uh, well, we did it, guy. <laughs> High five. All right. Over here, please. You should have seen the look on his face. Oh, you did see it. You were there. Oh, no, I did. And I guess my eyes rolled back into my head once it reached the height of demonification. Oh, you're right. 
I looked over. That's what you were doing. Yeah, well, that's typical with dark powers of this nature. <laughs> and Carl is freaking right now. Yeah, yeah what, what's left of him. Yeah, well, you got me <laughs> Okay, well, yeah, I'm going to go back up to the attic, get some juice, recharge my batteries. Well, you rest up, because Carl's just the beginning. Tonight <laughs> shall be forever. I guess uh, Shake is, you know, planning to continue this kind of stuff with Willie Nelson, and they're just lying to themselves, or at least, you know, Shake is just kind of gaslighting everyone, himself included, that this went down perfectly. This went to plan. They scared Carl so bad, even though Shake is, he's on the verge of death here, it seems. Great joke when Willie Nelson is like, high five, and Shake's like, over here, please, and Willie Nelson walks up and just high fives the puddle on the ground by Shake uh, with what is left of his hand. So, not much else to say there, just Shake acting like this was a success he can admit to no wrongdoing no mistakes this went uh, according to plan because in his mind in his world view you know he's the main character and nothing could ever go against how he wanted it to go we're approaching the end of the episode here we see in the hallway the attic is now open the the stairs are down and frylock he actually found some mail for willie nelson he goes upstairs the lights are off, and we see, like, some figures hanging, but we can't quite make it out. And then Willie Nelson will turn the light on, revealing just a horrible sight of gore. There are dead bodies, disemboweled bodies, hanging from the ceiling up against the wall and stuff. It's just a massacre in here. It's one of the most gory things I've ever seen. It's like a cannibal corpse cover up in their attic. The shot we get is actually, of course, uh, if you ignore that it's all dead bodies and stuff, kind of kind of beautiful for the show because we have a single light source being a light bulb hanging from the ceiling that is kind of swaying back and forth and the shadows on the wall are corresponding to the light source. So we have dynamic lighting in this scene, something that we haven't really seen, especially I know for sure in this capacity, there's just so much special effect work going on here. It's It's just really great how much they did, especially for this scene. It really adds to the, just the horror and the atmosphere of this scene, of this, this swinging light bulb and the shadows on the walls moving along with it. I spent way too much time trying to superimpose all the images that we get of the attic together and count how many bodies there are. And I can assume from what we can see that there are 11, although that's just what we see. You have to assume that there are more than that, more that the camera doesn't pick up. But I, I, I'm guessing that there are 11 bodies based on what we see from all the kind of shots that we get of the attic. So, all right, now that we know what's going on, let's listen to the big reveal of the attic. Hey, Willie, you up there? Yeah, come on up. I actually found some mail for you. Uh, I just got to get the light. There we go. <gasps> oh, just a missing persons thing? Oh, wait, hey, I know this guy. Oh, God. Uh, hang on, he's over here. Hey, I just wanted to check out the dip. Oh, my God, no. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. It's a total mess right now. It's usually not like this. So Willie Nelson here, totally oblivious to the fact that what he is doing up here is horror, is scary. Shake is freaked out. You know, Frylock's like, oh, my God. And he, and he drops really nicely. It's a really nice effect. Again, he drops the mail and it goes kind of fluttering to the ground one of them lands in the attic the other one falls down the chute down to the ground level and he's just like oh yeah sorry it's such a mess and he kind of picks up some organs and like throws them like he's trying to tidy up a little bit again he just doesn't know what's happening and then joining the scene now we are about to to pan over and carl and meatwater upstairs to scare them carl wearing the plum mask again and meatwad wearing a richard nixon mask 
Richard Nixon being the 37th president of the United States, serving from 1969, nice, to 1974. And this again, meatwad with a with a president reference, because in Circus, he turns into a giant Abraham Lincoln, although he's supposed to be Wayne Gretzky, according to himself. But yeah, another president reference there from Meatwad. And just nonsensical that Carl and Meatwad are up there. It makes no sense at all. How'd they get up there? And they also don't know what's happening until they you know, surprise everybody and say boo or whatever. So just nonsensical and a real example of how, you know, little time they had for the show. They just need to get these characters up here. It doesn't matter how. It makes no sense how they got up there, but they're up there. And coming up is our last clip of the episode. And it basically just ends with Willie Nelson yelling, Juice, he rips Carl's arms off and starts drinking the blood. The Aqua Teens all run out and then they board up and nail up the attic so that it can never be opened again, keeping Willie Nelson up there forever. Let's give it all a listen. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> hey, wait a second here. Oh my goodness. Juice! <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Did, did anyone want some juice? <laughs> Guys? So, yeah, again, they just didn't know that there were dead bodies everywhere. I mean, it would smell horrible up there. They didn't They didn't know, but they realized that once they say boo and take the masks off. But again, the Aqua Teens get out safe. Carl is up there to be, I guess, devoured by Willie Nelson. That's the end of the episode. Willie Nelson, of course, he's being cordial. He's like, oh, I'm sorry, did you guys want some? To him, there's nothing wrong with this, which I guess makes sense, you know? Like, to us, at least to some humans, I guess, uh, uh, most humans, eating animals isn't a big deal because it's like, that's how we survive. So to Willie Nelson here, he has to drink blood to survive. To him, that's no big deal. It's not shocking. Although kind of surprising how he saw Carl multiple times before. He was near Carl before, and he didn't just rip his arms off and start drinking his blood. So not really sure what prompted him to do that this time, maybe just because they're in his lair. I don't know. But even while all this is going on, Willie Nelson is just so mundane. And this really, of course, Aqua Teen does this a lot, but this kind of reminds me of the third episode of the series, Bus of the Undead. This is like a way better version of that episode because the entire time you see this chilled out, kind of boring monster that doesn't really do much but then at the very end, you realize that he's harmful. And that's totally the case here with Willie Nelson. And you kind of cut all of the stuff I didn't like about Bus of the Undead with just Shake being like, oh, no, Dracula for, you know, three minutes of the episode, basically. There's none of that here. You have them working together. The whole episode is Shake trying to get Willie Nelson to be scary. But turns out he's like this horrifying murderer the entire time. But he just didn't really recognize it. To him, it was no big deal. And since I'm already doing it, I'm just going to go into kind of my thoughts on this episode. I'm not going to read anything from the Anime Superhero Forum, which back in the day was called the Toon Zone Forum. There is discussion from that night, so I will put it in the show notes. But for the most part, it's just people saying that they liked it. And then a couple people didn't like the, uh, you know, extreme violence at the end. And that's really it. There's not like anything super interesting. So back to what I was saying, this just really does the whole Moth Monster Man, Bus of the Undead episode, but in a much better way. It's it's a way better format, but Aqua Teen has a lot of these kinds of villains that seem harmless at first, but then at the end, the twist is that there's some deranged fucking creature that you don't want to be around. But besides that, I just like seeing Shake work with this guy to try and coach him up, and the entire time, 
Willie Nelson is failing at it. You know, he he's like, God, I suck at, at a certain part. And he seems totally reasonable up until the end. Again, don't really understand why he saw Carl many times and didn't rip his arms off. And I didn't mention when, when Carl's arms get ripped off, just blood just shoots everywhere. It's just so crazy, so unrealistic, and just a great effect with, with the blood. But also there's like blood pooling on the ground after that. Really cool. Something cool about this episode that I didn't think about initially is it's actually our first episode and potentially the only episode of Aqua Teen. Nothing else really comes to mind at the moment, but it's definitely our first episode to take place completely at night, which I think makes it really unique. Plus, you know, I work night shift, so I can relate to that. I like that this was a Shake-centric episode without it being solely about him, and we got just tons of great Moments from the guest, from the villain of the episode, this really giving me a season one vibe, but with a lot of the sensibilities and, and tricks that they picked up throughout season two. So this is like a best of both worlds, which arguably season one and two are the best seasons of the show. So I think that's why this is a great one to show somebody for the first time, because you get, you know, the villain aspect, you get kind of the twist at the end aspect. It's not just the character's meandering at home there is some sort of thing going on but you also get all the great dialogue and you get the great relationships between the characters you kind of see how that plays out beyond that we get some great lines from basically all the characters i mean shake has some really fantastic lines meatwad basically everything he says cracks me up Carl has some awesome lines as well. And then Frylock, he gets some good lines too. So everyone gets their own screen time here. And it's just, I think, a perfect episode. It's not my favorite, but I think it's just a really great episode. And because of that, I have to give this one five electric chainsaws out of five. I just, I think it's great. There's so much going on here that I really like. I like the big violent twist at the end, but... It, it's a twist. It's not like just thrown in there like, haha, we're here to shock you with just some some random gore and violence. It builds up to that moment and it's meaningful when you see it because the entire episode, this this creature, it's so lame. Oh, he shaves. That's so scary. But then you find out there's, you know, 11 bodies up in the attic that he's feasting on and, and they're not even just like in a pile. They're strewn about. They're disemboweled. Some of them are hanging. There's a head up on a box. Like, it's real fucking twisted what he's doing up there so it's a great twist at the end and just a great episode that's you know deserves all the praise that it gets i think this one they they were just firing on all cylinders with it not just the writing but the acting and also in the animation department of course there were some animation errors with with meatwad not moving his mouth and stuff but with all the special effects this episode just really had so much work put into it from all aspects it really shows and that's why Gotta give it a 5 out of 5. So let me know what you think of this episode. Of course, I'm on Twitter, Instagram. Check the show notes. I'm all over the place. Hit me up. Otherwise, that's it for me this week. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for talking teens with me. If you like the show, tell somebody about it. Let's grow this motherfucker. Because the bigger the show gets, the more that people who worked on Aqua Teen will want to talk to me. And then we can get better stuff going on on the podcast. So until then... Thank you to all the patrons who support this show. Special shout out to our number one in the Hoodgie tier patrons, Sean, Ian, Keenan, Hope to Dope, Captain Buford, Brian, Robinson, and Carl. You guys can borrow my sailor hat any day of the week. I'll see you next week when we discuss season two, episode 16, The Brood Witch. See you later.
What are you doing here? I live here, ass. Yeah, I know. And I'm just visiting.